Welcome back to the Brodo Fantasy Football Podcast presented by BrotoFantasy.com. I'm your host, Tim Petrop, with my brothers, the only two twins that give you double that fantasy goodness, Michael and Jason Petrop. Oh, baby, we are back and a little bit of behind the scenes. This is like our 14th attempt trying to start this show. Our mics have just been off I don't know what's going on. We have really bad mic karma right now. I think it's because, you know, I don't know. I think it's because you guys have been so great to us, and we've been we've been blessed in these first three weeks. Something's got to go wrong. Um, but with that we being said, need an said, IT guy. Yeah, right. We do. We do. We need an IT guy. I'm your host Tim Petrop, of course, with my two brothers, the only ones that look extremely frustrated as we begin this show, particularly Jason, Michael, and Jason Petrop. You know, I honestly thought like two seconds ago that Jason was frozen because he was just frozen in place while you were talking. And I was like, damn, my Wi-Fi is bugging out again. But then I saw him move and that was, that was great. <laughs> it's crazy because I'm not even mad about the tech problems we're having. I'm mad about the fact that people are using air yards. Yeah, Jason's come, Jason came in hot. Jason's been pissed off all day because of air yards. But Bro, Jay, you can't scroll on so Twitter without yards. seeing... A tweet in your timeline with within like five tweets of fucking air yards that dumb fucking stat that doesn't mean anything. Fuck out of here with air yards. Jason, your decision to uh, scream that after having mic issues was questionable at best. These damn mics. I can't be calm about air yards. <laughs> Jason really hates air yards. It's a I- hypothetical fucking stat that means nothing. Congrats. You got a 50-yard pass that was completely, entirely out of bounds and not even close to catchable. That means I should start you next week. Don't <laughs> fucking stat. I, I, you know what? I, I feel that way about some stats. You know what? I feel that way about wins above replacement war in baseball. Like, could you have a dumber, more stat, meaningless stat than a stat that predicts wins above a replacement? Like, it's just it's like a human hubris. Like, you think you know how much this person is worth? Based on what? Based on no, you don't know how many wins. Do you know you don't know how many wins he's worth? It's so stupid to even put a metric out that tries to estimate that because you just don't know. Imagine they had something like that in football; it would never fly. So yo, and it's and it's flawed. Like uh, baseball, real quick for those who watch baseball, and shout out to the Brodo dugout. Um, like in F war or some shit because you know they always they try to advance the statistics and now they have X war F war and shit. Martin Maldonado, a career backup catcher has a higher career F war than Salvador Perez, who literally just broke the all time catcher home run record. Like that's how you know that shit is really stupid. Salvador Perez just broke the catcher home run record. Like Mike Piazza's. I was about to say that people he don't has, even know what Johnny Bench is, but he has 46 Good. home runs this year. He Salvador Perez has 46 home runs. He has legitimately been one of the best players in the league all year. I sent Jason a text. I said stats that you had no clue about. And it was just a picture of Salvador Perez's stats. And he was like, what? Facts. (laughs) I was like, yeah, this is what's happening with Salvador Perez. And we have him on a keeper league. Um, So I was like, and I get alerts for home runs. I was like, I know I've been getting a lot of Salvador Perez home run alerts. I didn't know it was breaking catcher home run record level alerts. Damn. So, I mean, look, you could get some uh, some great little nuggets 
and some great advice about fantasy baseball as well if you are on Patreon. It's one of our many perks that we give our patrons. Patreon.com slash Fantasy is where you can get extra episodes, the waiver wire episode. You can get tons and tons of awesome conversation with people who are awesome. I love our community over at Discord. We just reached 79 patrons, which is a big deal. We would like we would like to reach that 80 goal. So let's you, get to 80, let's baby. Let's get to 80, baby. Push us past that finish line. Let's get to 80. Um, so if if you are listening right now and you're considering being a patron, uh, and you know you need some extra oomph, you can be number 80. You can make it. You can make our dreams come true, and hopefully we made your fantasy dreams come true. Yeah, um, if if you do, then. Jason's going to put up a, a video on Twitter going, we got to 80, baby, in Dick Vitale voice. That's right, Jason. <laughs> Michael just put Jason on the I'll spot. Um, Honestly, I'll do it. I don't care, but you have a better Dick Vitale voice, Michael. <laughs> one, of, one of the best parts about being a patron is not only the community and the extra episodes and being in leagues with us and team consultations and the DFS optimizer, which has been great over the past two weeks. In fact, some of our patrons, shout out to y'all who have who have uh, moved up uh, a Patreon tiers to access that DFS uh, optimizer. Those guys are getting paid back, paid back that money right away in the first week of week one and two. So go check that out. And the best thing that we're giving you with the money from Patreon is, of course, the Fantasy Football by Brodo app. It is the not only has every stat you need, but has it faster than <clears throat> some other unnamed uh, stats pages uh, that people may be going to. Uh, what do you get here? Fantasy player cards, number one, which is basically a player profile in a way cooler and more unique fashion. Uh, start sit tools. The usage tool, which is so, so critical and so, so hard to find on the internet for free. It is in the app. Player comps, podcasts, obviously, you're listening now. Consistency charts, coaching tendencies, articles by our crack staff. We have a great staff of writers. We really hit the jackpot this summer on writers for, to put on on top of our already fantastic writers. Now we have a team of 10 writers that we, if you are not familiar, brotofantasy.com and the app, we have articles pumping out every day almost. So go check that out. Um, and you get all the advanced stats you need, including true throw value, true target value. If you've been listening to Broto, you know exactly what that is. Whew. That was a lot. Michael. One thing you won't get here is air yards. <laughs> I think we do have air yards available, though. On the page. Uh, probably, but <laughs> I just skim over it and act like we don't. All right. Uh, so speaking of air yards, um, let's go to our first matchup, which probably will feature a ton of air yards. The Chargers at the Chiefs is the first game on the docket today, uh, a matchup of AFC West uh, opponents. So I noticed something because... Look, and I don't want to make this seem like I'm fading any Chiefs because of the Chargers defense, but I notice a lot of people on, you know, social media and on these TV shows, they're like, what happened to the Dallas offense? It was just, oh, you know, they were just, they had an off day and uh, they they weren't great and uh, Dak wasn't himself. Like, how about the Chargers defense is pretty damn good? Derwin James is back. They have some superstar potential. In, and just so you guys know, Derwin James, a little bit of a shady thing. For the first two weeks of the season, 55% of his snaps have been at slot corner. So the majority of his snaps has been him as a slot corner, and he's been shutting down the slot. So 
you have to wonder whether or not he'll see Kelsey. Now, obviously, you're not sitting Kelsey. Obviously, you're still expecting Kelsey. But it is something to be concerned about because Derwin James has been so good. So let's start with the Chiefs side and going against Derwin James and that Chargers defense. Am I? It's Mahomes, it's Kelsey, it's Hill, and then, you know, I think the conversation is about CEH because who was promised to be a pass-catching back in a game without Tyreek Hill had did nothing, and the Chiefs throw to the running back the least of any team. So, I'll, Jason, why don't you start us off with what is your um, – what is your outlook on the once heralded Clyde Edwards hell yeah? Yeah, I uh he no longer has that nickname. He hasn't <laughs> had it for a bit now. I trusted Andy Reid and Andy Reid fucked up. If you look at uh CEH where he compares, so right now 51 running backs qualify for <clears throat> most of the stats. Uh in PFF rushing grade, CEH is last. He is the worst runner according to PFF. Hmm. Missed tackles forced per carry is 46th. Yards per carry is 44th. Yards after contact is 50th. Sheesh. And then if you look at what the Chiefs have done recently, since the beginning of last season, they've only had 14 rushes inside the five-yard line to running backs. And they're not super involved in the passing game anymore. This isn't the Kareem Hunt offense. Or Jamal Charles, if you want to go back that far. This is the, you're not a very good runner. You're not really going to get carries inside the five. You're not really going to get receptions backfield. So I think it's panic button time for CEH. I do want to add to Jason's CEH panic. I think specifically this week would be super panic time because the Chargers have basically taken the Los Angeles Rams defensive playbook in that if you want to run on us, f- go right ahead. Feel free. Run on us. But you're not going to be able to pass on us. And the Chargers have actually they allowed Antonio Gibson to rush for 90 yards against them week one. And then last week, everyone who was saying, oh, Dak sucked. The Cowboys passing game sucked. They put up over 30 points and won. Their offense played well. It was just that they were using the ground game. Tony Pollard had 109 rushing yards and Zeke had 71 rushing yards and they each scored touchdowns. So that's how you've been able to beat the Chargers early on in the season. And now with the the um, the Chiefs, obviously Patrick Mahomes is their star. That He's going to be the guy to lead them to victory. But it is really like go time for CEH because if he's unable to take advantage of this uh, matchup, then, man, it's I don't know when he's going to be able to take advantage of any matchups. Tyreek Hill does not usually let um, back-to-back bad games happen. I was looking back at since 2008, uh, he has not had a game where he finished lower than an RB2 that he followed it up with a game that he was lower than an RB2, I mean a a wide receiver 2. So usually a good bet to bounce back, probably a good bet to bounce back in this game, Travis Kelsey, Travis Kelsey. So let's go over to the other side. Let's go over to the car, the um, the Charger side because Mike Williams and Keenan Allen, the Chiefs have struggled against two positions the most early on in the season. They are 25th in DVOA against the number one receiver, and they are 25th in DVOA against the slot. 
Mike Evans is the number one receiver, that X receiver. Keenan Allen is in the slot. So, Mike Williams. You said Mike Evans. So Sorry, Mike Williams. Clear. But he's been looking like Mike Evans. You know what I'm saying. Um, Jason, now that you're on the show and I could dunk on you about Mike Williams, I want you to break down Mike Williams first. Mike, I'm sorry. I know Jason went first last time, but I need <laughs> Jason to go first this oh, time. Oh, I too. understand. I, uh, I'll, I'm probably going to regret fading Mike Williams. Yeah. Oh, that's for the first time in four years. So suck a fat one. All right. I, I was as long as as long <laughs> Look, as we have one of Mixon or Williams, then we're good. <laughs> I think honestly. So this goes to my dumbass air yards argument, right? Everyone loved Mike Williams last few years because he was such a deep threat. He's seeing so many air yards per game. Those are also the fucking balls that you don't catch often. That's how deep balls work. And now, Mike Williams did not have an A dot less than 15 last year. I'm sorry, less than 10 in a game last year. This year, his A dot has been 10 and 9.7. He is no longer just a deep threat. He's an intermediate threat. He has 22 targets. That's a 25% target share. As long as he's working the intermediate part of the field, he's going to be a very good producer because Justin Herbert's a good quarterback and... Those passes connect more. That is average depth of target for those who don't know what A dot is. Michael, what about Keenan Allen, the other wide receiver that's set to get the targets out here? Um, he's coming off a, a pretty good game. He he looked great. Like he looked better than his box score showed, even though he had a good box score too. Um, how are you feeling about Keenan Allen in this matchup? Yeah, I'm confused about Keenan Allen. It seems to me that with Mike Williams' ascendance, People are getting scared off by Keenan Allen as if Keenan Allen isn't just doing what he always does. Yeah, it's very sure. confusing to me. Like I see people like offering him in trades for like like for not what he's worth and shit like that on Twitter. And I know Twitterverse could be dumb sometimes and it has been dumb so far with Keenan Allen because he hasn't found the end zone yet, but he's got nine for a hundred and four for one oh eight. Like it's Keenan Allen. So, yeah, you play Keenan Allen with confidence every single week, and Casey really isn't that big of a – isn't that big of, like, a, a threat because they do have good corners, but they also have Patrick Mahomes. So volume for Justin Herbert means volume for Keenan Allen, and Keenan Allen gets open to one – no, uh, it doesn't matter who's guarding him. So um, That leaves us with Austin Eckler. Now, the Chiefs – again, have been susceptible on the ground for as long as we could remember. Nothing has changed so far. Um, Austin Eckler's a good play in this game. There's no reason to think not. This is going to be a shootout. Yeah. Austin Eckler will probably get a bunch of catches. Yeah, of course. And the Chiefs, look, they played the Ravens, the number one running team in the league. Lamar Jackson ran 16 times for over 100 yards. So it's all a bit skewed, but they've True. allowed the third most rushing attempts through the first two weeks. Um Excuse. Six yards per carry, which is just ridiculous, and over 400 rushing yards through two games. That's over 200 yards average per game. But again, it was Lamar Jackson. No one's saying the Chargers are going to run for 200 yards, but I am saying Austin Eckler could have one of those 11-12 rush, 110-yard games possibly mixed in with the receptions that Tim was bugging out after week one, but nine targets, nine receptions for Eckler week two. This is one of those games where Eckler could really – feast and vie for the top running back spot i i really of the week 
yeah, I I really love uh, I really love that he did that. Really quenched my my fears. Like they, they completely went out. Quenched it was, it your was, fears. I don't know if quenched your fears is the right word. Yeah, use, like but I think the yeah, word that's a dumbass statement. Like quench the fire. You don't quench no, a that's fire. A dumbass statement. I don't know. Also, Michael, look up the definition of quench. We need real a quick. we need a dumbass statement I'll button on this podcast <laughs> that we could just press every time one of us says some dumb shit because it happens often. I do want to add, um, in a complete crazy shootout between the Ravens and Chiefs, Nicole Hardman had a normal game. So, again, I just don't understand the hype about Miko Hardman. And he did play more than Demarcus Robinson this time around. But still, it's just the area. It ain't going to happen. Michael, you you in the beginning of the offseason, you wrote a whole article about why you're fading Justin Herbert. And so far, your prediction has been spot on because Justin Herbert has racked up the yards. He's been a great quarterback. But because of his lack of rushing prowess, he just has a cap on where he can go. And he's not throwing touchdowns right now. So the cap is even limited even more. This is a game where he's going to have to throw some touchdowns. Um, he's going to be throwing a lot, probably. Uh, how do you feel about? How do you feel about it? Yeah, I mean, he's no Tom Brady, right? Tom Brady, it's okay if he doesn't run because he has nine touchdowns through the first two games. Uh, Justin Herbert does not have nine touchdowns through the first two games. He has two touchdowns through the first through the first two games and three interceptions actually. Um, so. Outside top 20 the first two weeks, but over 330 yards each of the first two weeks. Over 40 attempts each week, exactly 31 completions each week. The volume is absolutely there. He's going to have touchdown regression will be there for him. He's not going to only throw one touchdown um, per game. And in Kansas City, it's a nice spot for shootout potential. So if I have Justin Herbert, I'm certainly uh, playing him here because all you need is Patrick Mahomes to put up 30 points, which is almost a guarantee for you to be forced to throw to catch up. And you could definitely expect another 40 plus attempt game for Herbert, which may lead to even if it's garbage time points, I think the chargers are good enough to keep to stay in the game with the chiefs, but I do think they will be trailing, which means more passing work for Justin Herbert, which typically means more fantasy points. All right. Anyone else you want to talk about in this game? Jared Cook, you start, obviously you start Travis Kelsey. Um, Jared Cook is is interesting because like he played the same amount and he still got five targets. It's just he's one of those tight ends where you have to bank on a touchdown. So he just fits into that low end tight end one, high end tight end two mold. And Casey is a decent spot to try to bet on a touchdown because, like I said, it should be a high volume passing game. So that's what you've got to hope for with Jared Cook. If you went on the Brodo rankings and saw that uh, most of the Brodo staff had ranked Kyler Murray number one overall quarterback, and you're like, wow, that's something that's interesting because he's going as like the, in the fifth round of my league, and I can get him at a, at a price, and I, and I took him. Uh, congratulations. Uh, you are the winner. Uh, also, DeAndre Hopkins is literally the best player maybe in the league. Just in general, athleticism, whatever, he does whatever the hell he wants. Um, those two guys are must-starts. Here's what I am most interested in. Rondell Moore. Rondell Moore probably got picked up for a few, more than a few fab dollars over the week, unless you were lucky enough to have him on your roster um, and pick him up the week before. <coughs> Me. <coughs> um, last week, he goes from five targets to all the way up to eight targets, way more involved. Kyler Murray when he gets out of the pocket, 
looks for him because he's getting open. Um, snap percentage in the first game was 29%, even though he saw 16% of the work. Fast forward just one week, and Rondell Moore is already up to 46% snap count. And now his target percentage is 22.2%. He's seeing 20% of the targets in this offense from Kyler Murray, who is an absolute animal right now. I I am ranking Rondell Moore inside my top 36 wide receivers this week. No doubt about it. Uh, how are you guys feeling about Rondell Moore? Yeah, see, I just want to tell people to simmer down for a second here because I know the excitement is high with Rondell Moore. He's playing the Jaguars. I just want to put this out here. This yes. is against the Jaguars. This is Cardinals yeah, at Jaguars. Also, which also could lead to a lot of rushing near the end of the game because they... If the Cardinals are up 21 zip in the first quarter, no one's going to be surprised. And I know Moore has been exciting and fun and has been playing great, but he is still fourth on the team in um, snap percentage among receivers behind DeAndre Hopkins, AJ Green, and Christian Kirk, who also their who all saw their snap percentages go up week two as well. So it's not like Moore stole work from them. They were just doing they were just using more four wide receiver sets. Um, Chase Edmonds has nine targets through two games. So, yes, it's very exciting, and yes, it could pay off. But don't sit a stud or someone who is more proven or the volume is more available to them for Rondell Moore week three just because you're chasing the hype from weeks one and two. Um, I like Rondell Moore this week, but more as a upside and risky flex play than I do like a, a start in a top 36 wide receiver position. Jason, how are you feeling about uh, this wide receiver group? Uh, I'm with Michael. Be a little weary. The The reason I like Rondell Moore going forward is because of the scrubs in front of him. But that's why I like him, too. Right? is washed. Christian Kirk is at the do. So that leaves Rondell Moore a lot of room to work. I'm not super sold on him just yet, considering he only played 48% of the snaps, yada, yada. But he's obviously the second option here. That like, if I'm starting another Cardinals wide receiver, AJ Green could you can make a case for starting him in deeper leagues. Christian Ever. Kirk, I mean, you can you can make a case. I would one thousand percent start Christian Kirk over AJ Green. AJ Green has been one of the, if not the most efficient wide receiver of all time over the last two seasons. To be inefficient, entirely bad as AJ Green has been these last two seasons. He is just living still completely based off his name because there is a there is no reason at all why he should still be on the field as much as he is because he just does not help the quarterback, period. Well, in case you were wondering how Michael felt about A.J. Green, um, in this backfield, James Conner has been... Uh, you talk about, oh, the dude, the James Conner is... I think he's done. Um, this could be a big game for Chase Edmonds. The Jacksonville Jaguars were horrible guarding the running back out of the backfield last week. It was, I mean, last year, it was literally just free points every time you played the Jaguars last year. Um, and nothing they've done this year shows you that that's changing. So I think Chase Edmonds could have a big game here. The only thing is Chase Edmonds is always capped because he's not the goal linebacker Kyler Murray is. Yeah, um, I interrupt this programming for breaking news. Christian McCaffrey is out of the game with a hamstring injury. Oh, sure. Legitimately out. Like, they already ruled him out. Wow. Oh, out, out of the game? Yeah. Jeez. Ah, damn. That's rough. 
Jason, Jason, this is the second year of you going through this Christian McCaffrey nonsense. How are you feeling right now? Correct. Feeling like I'll just talk about this stuff. Jason, I, I'm gonna tell you, like you and Christian McCaffrey, I feel like you have a lot of parallels just in general. You kind of look alike. You're a little smaller, fast as fuck, underrated athlete. Quite. Quite. You're definitely both quite. <laughs> That's for sure. Um, where were we though? Who were we talking about? The um, Arizona Cardinals, yeah, Chase Edmonds. So Chase Edmonds has played a hundred percent of the two minute snaps. 77% of the third down snaps. And then James Conner has seen 73% of the snaps inside the 10. So it's the offense we expected. It's just that the Cardinals don't run the ball much. And Kyler Murray is going to just have the ball in his hands no matter what, even when they get to the goal line. So Edmonds will maintain his half PPR, full PPR, RB2 flex ability but James Conner I mean I guess if you're going to start him ever it's in this game against the Jaguars but you really don't want to I don't recommend it how much fat we dropping on Chubba Hubbard (laughs) that's uh, a that show coming up soon Chubba Hubbard is someone who is very highly rostered though is he someone I believe yeah but one of our discord members this morning I wrote in the chat to the discord if you're in a league where you can drop bench players, even if they played already, grab Chubba Hubbard before tonight's game and just drop him after if CMC hopefully doesn't get injured. That's it. That someone good. just responded, like, what? In Brodo we trust. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was, uh, that was, it seems like it was a good call. The tweet says, not good from Rap Sheet. So, uh, obviously, you guys are going to know more about this when you're listening. So, we'll see what's going on. Uh, let's go to the Jaguar side. Uh, I don't know. I don't want to. Um, Trevor Lawrence right now uh, is not playing well, although he is throwing the ball deep among the top in the league. Like he has, he has, he's going deep like crazy. Problem is uh, that uh, he's not doing well when he's doing it. But that does mean DJ Chark, who is catching twenty five percent of the, of his targets this year. Marvin Jones, who is finding garbage time touchdowns in two of the last two games. Uh, LaVisca Chenault, who, if he's going deep like that, uh, yeah, it, there's no point of LaVisca Chenault. And then you have two part-time running backs, James Robinson, who's been completely inefficient, and obviously the coaching staff does not trust in him. And then you have Carlos Hyde, who don't, doesn't do anything. Uh, well, James O'Shawn Hennessy is injured. So for me... O'Shawn Hennessy, baby. For me, I don't want any Jaguars if I could help it. Jason, you seem like you're pretty hell-bent on telling me uh, otherwise. Hell-bent on what? Telling me otherwise. I'm not sure why you think I'm hell-bent on doing that. Because you tried to cut me but, off. <laughs> but but I'll answer. Um, I, I, I don't want to answer. I'm not hell-bent on telling you you're wrong. Trevor Lawrence is completing 50% of his passes. His average up to target is 5.4 yards. It's like... It just hasn't been good. You want to talk about fucking air yards. DJ Chark has a 16.3 A dot, but he's caught four of his 16 targets. There you go. Self-explanatory why air yards is dumb as fuck. Even Marvin (laughs) Jones has caught one of four 20-plus yard targets. He's just found the end zone twice, so it's helped him out. If I'm starting anyone, it's Marvin Jones. 
20 targets, 116 snaps. He leads Jacksonville receivers with both. LaVisca Chenault just had negative yards on like seven targets. So fuck out of here with that guy. Again, DJ Chark has four catches. All he's seeing are long balls. So unless you're taking a shot on him catching a 50-yarder, you're going to be upset. Marvin Jones, the only one of interest. Let me just add that Zach Wilson just had a five-interception day, and he still has a higher PFF grade than Trevor Lawrence does. Four interceptions. Four interceptions day. People think Trevor Lawrence is not playing bad because he is padded stats. Um, he's playing bad. Um, a very rough start to the I mean, season. Who can blame him for Lawrence? Yeah, and the Cardinals' pass defense has a lot to do with their pass rush, right? Like Tim said, J.J. Watt and Chandler Jones getting to the quarterback is makes it very difficult to pass the ball effectively. But they've gone up against the True Value King Ryan Tannehill and the newly named True Value Prince Kirk Cousins, and they've allowed 450 passing yards to those two. They've went up against AJ Brown, Julio Jones, Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen. And they all besides Adam Thielen and Julio Jones had a decent game as well. But generally they all didn't combine to have huge performances. So the Arizona Cardinals pass defense has been solid um, against two of the most efficient quarterbacks, if not the most efficient quarterbacks in the league. So I too am weary of, playing Jaguars players, you're just going to need to hope for garbage time production, in my opinion. And I did want to add week one, Robinson saw 64% of snaps to Hyde's 34. And then week two, that went to 73% of snaps from Robinson to 25 for Hyde. And James Robinson outtouched Carlos Hyde 14 to two. So we saw Carlos Hyde kind of take over during garbage time week one. And that seems to be when he'll take over. So it wasn't as big. It wasn't nearly the time split that it was in week one. It was a James Robinson heavy backfield, but that's unfortunately that still didn't lead to many fantasy points. And James Robinson can't really be trusted as anything more than a a flex play at this point. A game that was not nearly as interesting as it is now with the, with the news that's, that's happened is the bears at the Browns. Cause now you have on one side, you got Justin Fields on the other side, you got OBJ who's going to play again without Landry. So let's start on the Brown side because I think it's a little bit easier. Um, Jason got into a little back and forth on Twitter today uh, with someone who said that Nick Chubb can't keep up this pace. And then Jason, and then he said Jason's not supporting his argument with stats. And then Jason said, okay. And then completely demolished this dude. Um, I think that Nick Chubb is a, is a great play uh, in this game against the Bears defense that has been okay but still porous. The Browns' passing game, though, it's it's weird because they target the tight end so much, but they have three tar- tight ends that they target. So you can't even play one of them. Do you trust OBJ coming back? Baker, you can't really play him right now. Kareem Hunt, he's been disappointing. What do you guys think about this Browns' offense in this matchup against the Bears at home? Um, This... Browns offense, we know what it is. We know what it is. Nick Chubb leads the league in PFF rushing grade, leads the league in missed tackles per carry, leads the league in yards after contact, second in yards uh, per carry, I think. I didn't say that already. He's a top two running back in every fucking category. And if you look at what this team does, guys, 
Browns wide receivers have accounted for 33% of Browns targets. Gross. Oh my god. That was that's that's hardcore like disgusting. That's hardcore yes. disgusting. Next, Browns tight ends have accounted for 46% of the team's targets. And it's Austin Hooper, David Njoku, Harrison Bryant. All playing more than 40% of the snaps. And don't tell me just because Jarvis Landry got hurt and OBJ is out. Baker Mayfield's better when OBJ's not on the field. We've went over this a million times. So this is a team that's going to roll with three different tight ends. They're going to run through their running backs. It's why Nick Chubb has been an RB1 since he entered the league and why Hunt has been an RB2 even though he's a backup. Because he's not really a backup. He's the second option on the team. His name's just not on the depth chart in the top slot. So that's what this team is. Baker Mayfield has one touchdown pass this season, even though he's completing 81.6% of his throws. It's it's what the offense is. Ouchies. I do also want to add that the three target leaders for the Browns last week, in order, Austin Hooper, Harrison Bryant, David Njoku. Oh, man. A wide receiver did not see, not a single wide receiver saw more than two targets in week two. Um, 12 tight end targets to four wide receiver targets the entire game. So, yeah, you can't really trust Baker Mayfield right now because the volume just isn't there and they're going to be run heavy. And I think you were a little unfair, Tim, with Kareem Hunt saying he's been disappointing. He ended as an RB13 week one. And then week two, he actually had more touches than Nick Chubb. He just didn't find the end zone. So, that was fairly disappointing, but I don't think he's been over all disappointing. Um, I think you could use him in this spot against Chicago with all the injuries that are going on. Else he'll likely see more targets, in my opinion. I don't want to trust Hollywood Higgins or Donovan Peoples-Jones. If I had to trust one of them, I'm putting my money on Hollywood Higgins because he's been there before. Um, and I also think Austin Hooper and David Njoku, I prefer Hooper, who plays the most ran the most routes. So time out, time out, um, time out. Cause you can't just say that without like context. So you would play Hollywood Higgins, despite the fact that he hasn't really been on the field over Donovan Peoples Jones over OBJ. You'd play him over both those guys. Hollywood Higgins played 70% of the snaps last week. Donovan Peoples Jones played 75. I'd consider if I, I mean, I'm saying if I was desperate, I just said I would play Higgins over Donovan Peoples Jones. Oh, That's not, it. not OBJ. Like, not OBJ. No, okay. I'd play okay. OBJ over All both right. of them. Because I, I OBJ, heard that, and I was like, hey, what, what's going on here? I, and I, even OBJ, I think he's more of an upside flex play in his first yeah. game back. You don't know if he's going to be limited. They, who knows? Maybe they wanted to hold him out even longer, right? But then Jarvis Landry got hurt. Like, they've been taking it slow with OBJ, and now that Jarvis Landry's out, they're like, all right, let's bring OBJ back. So he's more of a wait and see, in my opinion. Like, if you want to put him in the flex and be risky, go for it. But... I think the tight ends are more appealing because the tight end position overall stinks where you have Austin Hooper, who is going to likely see five plus targets and David Njoku, who, even though he had a bad week two, um, had a very good week one and ran the same exact amount of routes both weeks. So it's not like he wasn't on the field. He just didn't match the success. I prefer Hooper, as I said, but I think they're both interesting targets if you're really struggling at tight end. Um. Let's go over to the other side then uh, against the Browns, and that's the Bears. And Justin Fields, who 
The Browns defense has this perception of being very good, but our own Santiago Casanova actually has them being a little bit less than expected. Uh, they've been allowing more points than they expecting than they expected to be given up. So maybe Justin Fields isn't in the hardcore hard matchup that you might think. With that being said, um, this is a, an extremely different player than Andy Dalton, so it's probably going to be an extremely different offense. I am guessing that the run game is going to be very heavy in this game. I would think that David Montgomery is a good play, even though the Bears have a good run defense. I would also think that Justin Fields is someone that I'm interested in in streaming this week uh, if I'm desperate and if I need someone to play. Like, I would play him... You're going to call me crazy, but I will consider playing him over, like, Daniel Jones. And I'll, t- I mean, I'll talk to you about Daniel Jones later. but Or, like, you know... Trevor Lawrence. Like, I, I think he's in a, in a matchup where you can play him because of his rushing prowess. And then you got, he likes to go deep. Darnell Mooney's the deep guy. Allen Robinson has been disappointing so far. Wide receiver 45 on the year. How are you guys looking at this uh, Bears offense here? The Bears, excuse me, the Browns defense has allowed... A big game to Brandon Cooks and Tyrod Taylor. Nine catches, 78 yards, and a touchdown for Cooks. And a huge game to Tyreek Hill. 11 catches, 197 yards, and a touchdown over the last two weeks. Um, The Browns' defense is not scary. They're secondary. They have one um, cornerback in the top 60 in PFF coverage grade. And all that to say, I still only want to trust Allen Robinson. I'm still not buying into Darnell Mooney, who... I actually put a thread about Darnell Mooney on Twitter. You should check it out. It's a good way to check out true throw values, which showed that Darnell Mooney was outside the top 150 in true throw, true target value, despite seeing 15 targets, which is legitimately unheard of. That's how bad Andy Dalton and part of Justin Fields has been so far when they've been passing efficiency-wise. And now it's Justin Fields' time to go. Um, but guess what? I know everyone's super excited about Justin Fields, but... Mac Jones has not been a super friendly fantasy quarterback, really. Zach Wilson has not been super friendly yet. Trevor Lawrence has just purely been volume-based. And Trey Lance hasn't seen the field yet, really. So it's not like rookie quarterbacks are coming in here and lighting the world on fire. And everyone's super excited about starting Justin Fields because of his legs, right? Like, if they run the ball more, then that's not good for the pass catchers either. Like, I'm trusting Allen Robinson because you likely used a third or fourth round draft capital on him. And he is an uber talented receiver in general. And the Brown secondary is not good. So Allen Robinson can have a big game, but I am not trusting anyone else. Any of the other pass catchers in that offense. I have no interest in Darnell Mooney um, this week. Cole Komet is an interesting one because he played the same amount of snaps as he did week one um, percentage wise, but his targets went from seven to one. We don't know how he's going to acclimate with Justin Fields. So it's, that whole offense is kind of like a wait and see for me how they acclimate to playing with Justin Fields this week, pass catching wise. And Allen Robinson is the only guy I would feel semi trustworthy starting because he's he's just good and has the ability to make plays even with bad quarterback play as we've seen in the past. And let's see if let's see if Justin Fields continues the bad quarterback play or if he's able to finally bring some light into that damn Chicago Bears passing and, offense. And, Michael, you're referring to the, the pass-catching options because I think we all can agree that David Montgomery is a pretty good play this week. I think David Montgomery is 
a tremendous play. Um, and I'm not a big David Montgomery guy. I have him as my running back nine whoa. because whoa because okay. whoa Nelly. it's a it's a rookie quarterback who may end up maybe they'll add some RPOs into the system. Yes, and Damian Williams got banged up last week, which led to David Montgomery playing eighty percent of snaps and seeing four targets. If Damian Williams, if that continues into this week and Damian Williams is still banged up, there's still no Terry Cohen, then we're talking about another 80% plus snap game for David Montgomery. Sign me up for that. So in a, in a matchup where they're likely to go run heavy, I think David Montgomery is in a very good spot to have a very good game. And Does I'm not a big David Montgomery you? guy at all. That Justin Fields had 10 rushes in relief of Andy Dalton and that the Browns haven't given up a touchdown to a running back yet this year. Uh, not really, to be honest, because they've played Jacksonville and um, and KC, right? So it's like, are, are we going to, I mean, they've played KC and Houston. So are we going to, are we going to trust those two games where Clyde Edwards, Hilaire, who's been terrible and Houston? No, I'm not going to. Careful uh, of trusting yeah, small sample sizes. I, I, I'm more worried about. I, I think you can count on Justin Fields. Like I, the ten, yes, he rushed for ten yards, but he rushed for less than four yards a carry. Ten attempts. Ten attempts. He rushed for less than four yards a carry. That's what concerns me. But I think that this is going to be different, man. He's going to have an offense drawn up just for him, and this is an offense that. Like I pointed out many times, Mitch Trubisky in his second, in his first full year as a starter, had a lot of success as a rusher. He was fifth in the league in rushing attempts. He was sixth in the league in rushing yards. He had two rushing touchdowns, and that's a player that ran a four six four compared to a guy that ran a four four and just is much more athletic, obviously. So I think that uh, you know, even if it doesn't work out in this game, I'm, I'm interested to see because if Justin Fields goes crazy and proves himself as a passer. There's no going back to Andy Dalton. It's going to be Justin Fields the rest of the way. Um, let's go to the next game, the next matchup, Washington at the Bills. This is an interesting one because Josh Allen has not been the guy that we want Josh Allen to be. Um, but he's been facing tough, tough opponents. And now he has his third. Real quick, go ahead. just to get hyperbole out. What are the odds that Josh Allen is Carson Wentz 2.0? No, that is zero. 0.0. 0. Right. What, what, what makes you say there. that? I mean, it's very similar career trajectory. It was inaccurate, strong-armed quarterback who can run a decent amount. Josh Allen is a little better in running and strong-armedness. Right. Um, I think that makes a lot MVP of type season. And then the next year, his accuracy will was returned. Ah, yeah. I, I wouldn't call them accuracy roles. I would. I would call them playing good teams. Like they, he he was playing against good secondaries. So, you know, take Man, it with. I mean, what? He's still been very bad throwing deep this year, even with against a good defense. It's like he hasn't been accurate uh, throwing a deep ball, which is concerning because he became a top five quarterback last season, and deep ball percentage is basically anyone you looked at. But there's there's okay. So I let me let me say this: Steelers and Dolphins. Dolphins in a game where he didn't really have to do that. 
Like the Dolphins have probably one of the best secondaries, especially the best corners in the, in the, in football. I would take that tandem of corners over anyone in football. And then you have the Steelers, who are a fantastic defense. So just get, take it with a grain of salt. But he does get he does get a tough matchup uh, in Washington this week. So if you are if you have Josh Allen, how are you feeling about this matchup and? How are you feeling about the pass-catching options? Stephon Diggs, Emmanuel Sanders, who had a good game last week, played better than his box score said. Gabe Davis seems to be a, an afterthought when Emmanuel Sanders is healthy. Um, you know what's crazy? The Texans' defensive line is doing whatever they want to this Carolina Panthers' offensive line. Sam Darnold can never get a break. They just busted through on third down with literally no... It seemed like there was no offensive hey, line. Yeah, uh, you and your Darnold fucking... Excuses. Could we just get back to the topic? Well, the topic is defensive line because Washington has a defensive line that can get uh, past that. So how are you feeling about these? Oh, of course, Cole Beasley. How are you feeling about these pass-catching options and the quarterback in Buffalo? Look, if you drafted Josh Allen, you drafted him as the first, second, or third quarterback off the board, and you're starting him, and you're hoping for the best. And uh, it's not the best indicator, but, you know, Daniel Jones did just run for like 90 yards against Washington. So they are prone to a running quarterback. Um, I'm not worried about Stephon Diggs at all. The guy went from 13 targets to catching a touchdown. He'll be good. Cole Beasley, you like to see more targets. But the reason his targets dropped last week is because it was a fucking blowout. Yeah. Like it was 35 zip. So Emmanuel Sanders has become their deep threat, which is odd to see like the 34-year-old guy who's been a slot receiver for the last few years just all of a sudden become a deep threat. He legit just took John Brown's role. Man, like the same exact Sanders, offense again. Emmanuel Sanders is also becoming A.J. Green. Like, how many times is this guy going to see a million targets and not produce? I'm sorry. Let's I mean, I wasn't I wasn't about? condoning starting him. I was yeah. just making a note that With, that's I his know, role now. I keep, like... Again, you just see all these people who follow air yards and the volume and don't care about efficiency and just overall skill. And they all think, oh, yeah, Emmanuel Sanders time. Like, Emmanuel Sanders was a popular sleeper last week as well. And I don't know. I just I don't have any interest in Emmanuel Sanders at all um, going forward unless something changes because he just seems like a, another A.J. Green. He's old and just not what he used to be. But I did want to add that uh, I'm with Jason in that I'm not super worried about Cole Beasley. You know what you're going to get from him. It's just that they absolutely dominated the Miami Dolphins, and he only ended up playing um, 60% of snaps after playing 91% of snaps week one Who, in a close game with Pittsburgh. Who's this you're talking about, Michael? Cole Beasley. Oh, the bees need. That's right. So, yeah, I mean – that's cool. And even, even like Dawson Knox scored a touchdown from 56 snap percentage to 83 snap percentage. Um, they just started running the ball in the second half. I mean, Devin Singletary dominated in the first half. And then in the second half, Zach Moss during garbage time comes on, rushes 10 times for two touchdowns. Yay, woohoo, good for Zach Moss. I'm not, don't think this means Zach Moss is getting a role in the offense. It was a Devin Singletary show when the game actually mattered. So I'm still all aboard the Devin Singletary train because he's also been top 10 in several advanced statistics like a uh, rushing yard over expected and um, 
added points per attempt and things of that sort. So Devin Singletary has actually been very good so far uh, this season. So I think he's playing himself into low end RB two flex territory and, and a matchup against the, against Washington, not a tremendous matchup, but I mean, Devin Singletary, as long as he's going to be getting a, a ton of work, which he's getting more work than I think anyone would have expected so far to start this season, he should be usable. Uh, Jason, how are you feeling about that Russian attack? I concur with Michael. As long as there's one running back getting the bulk of the work while the game is competitive, then I'm interested. Zach Moss was, Devin Singletary. Zach Moss was injured, they said, last, last week, so they were easing him back in. This might become more of a 50-50 split again. It's not guaranteed that it's all that it's going to be all the Singletary. It's not a guarantee. No, I mean, we'll see. But for now, Singletary is clearly a superior option. I don't hate him as a flex play. Um, anyone else on this team you guys want to talk about? No. No. I do want to add that I um I think Cole Beasley is in a better spot this week than he was last week. So sticking back in a flex position might not be the worst thing, and mainly in PPR leagues. The Bills, I mean, the Bills are a pretty good defense. They are continuing to play uh, very good against the run in particular, and Antonio Gibson now plays in his, uh, now plays again in another tough matchup that he's he hasn't had a kind schedule uh, to start. With that being said, anyone who watched last Thursday is extremely worried about the fact that it's not Gibson during the two-minute drill, and it's not Gibson during third down. There is one thread of hope for Gibson uh, managers, and that is that he was dealing with an injury last week. He, he hurt his shoulder in week one. He was dealing with it in week two. That could be a reason why the usage changed so drastically, because I think it wouldn't have been such a surprise if it wasn't all Antonio Gibson week one, and then all of a sudden it went back to what you saw last year week two. If you see him, if you see that transition back, even if it's in a game where he doesn't have the best fantasy day because the Bills are a hard matchup, I think that's a win for Antonio Gibson. How are you guys feeling about Antonio? Yeah, I mean, Antonio Gibson, he's still Antonio Gibson. Like, he's still going to get the rushing work, hopefully a few targets. He's seen seven targets through the first two games. But the ceiling isn't high-end top five running back like everyone wants him to be anymore. Um if J.D. McKissick's just going to continue being J.D. McKissick. Let's be real. Because um, J.D. McKissick played well last week, saw six targets, 44% of snaps, scored the touchdown, had over 100 all-purpose yards, stole a rushing touchdown. Um, that's the touchdown I was talking about. So it's not great for Gibson. I also want to add that if he's going to be more rush-dependent, the Bills, look, they've played two atrocious-looking offenses so far to start the season in the – Steelers and the Dolphins, but they held Najee Harris to 2.8 yards per carry and the Dolphins ran for less than, um, they ran for a total of 71 yards over the last two games. So those aren't the two most telling teams, right? They're both offenses look terrible. Maybe that has to do with how good Buffalo Bills defense has looked though. So this is a, a tough spot really for me to just, confidently place Antonio Gibson into my RB1 slot. I have him ranked as a high-end RB2 this week rather than an RB1. Um, what about, Jason, the pass-catching options? Because a lot of people were, like, really, really scared about Terry McLaurin uh, because of, oh, as Davis Mills to Anthony Miller for the touchdown. Davis, yo, 
Davis Mills looking all right. I'm not going to lie. He's got some zip on the ball. Um, speaking of zip on the ball, Terry McLaurin, um, 11 catches for 107 yards and a touchdown. Um, it would not have been the first time a backup quarterback has peppered his best receiver. Um, this is something that happens. I think it's a great sign for Terry moving forward. And I am thrilled if I am a Terry McLaurin manager. How are you guys feeling about Scary Terry uh, compared to how you were feeling last week? So those are two different questions. Um, okay. Essentially. Like, for the season outlook, I'm I'm very happy to see what happened between Terry McLaurin and Tyler Heineke. McLaurin, in his first game with Heineke, set his career high for catches. Like, you literally couldn't ask for anything more. And Heineke looked competent. So that's something that's awesome. But for this week, they're going up against Buffalo, who has eight sacks in two games. They've limited quarterbacks to a completion percentage under 60%, less than five yards per pass attempt against them. They've locked down Big Ben. They locked down Tua, injured Tua because they were getting to him so much. Locked down Jacoby Brissett. And it's not like Tyler Heineke's in a league outside of the realm of those guys. So, and now Terry McLaurin also is going to have Davis White on him. You never count out Terry. He's shown that he could do whatever he wants whenever he wants. But the stars aren't aligning for him this week. Like, I, I wouldn't play him in DFS. If you have him on your team, you're going to start him and you hope for the best. I also think it's a good week. If... I mean, depending on how high he's owned, to grab Diami Brown for cheap. He played 90% of the snaps last week. He has 10 targets on the season. His average depth of target is 12.6 yards. As he gets more and more involved, he's going to have a, role, a bigger role in this offense. He made some good plays the last time we saw them on the field. But both none of these guys excite me for this week. What about Logan Thomas? Logan Thomas, Logan Thomas, too. He's played 100% of the snaps last week. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. As long as he continues to play 100% of the snaps at a tight end position, you start him, period. Um, Anyone else in this game that you want to talk about? You think J.D. McKissick is worth anything? I do, actually. I think huh. he has some flex appeal because they're playing the Buffalo Bills, man. Who yeah. They're a good team. High-powered offense, typically. Um, Let's see if Josh Allen picks it up in week three. So if they're putting up points, McKissick's going to be catching some passes. I could see another six-plus target game for McKissick. So I do think he has some flex appeal here. Buffalo so far on the young season, and it is a very young season, fourth best in DVOA against a running back out of the backfield. So for whatever that's worth, um, make it worth, uh, if you if you know what I mean. Um, and last year, as I get this in real time, they were 13th. So on the top half of the league, so, you know, a, a neutral matchup. So uh, I don't know. I don't, I, I don't like to play these only pass-catching running backs, part-time guys, unless they're playing in a matchup where they can really exploit the defense. This doesn't seem like an exploitable defense here for me because uh, of exactly that, because it just doesn't seem like and exploitable defense. As the, the Panthers are absolutely breaking down without Christian McCaffrey. This is insane. The offensive line can't do anything. Um, anything, anyone else in this game that you guys want to talk about? Um, 
No, I'm interested to see if Diami Brown could make some noise. He'd be like a DFS cheat play type of guy because Tredavious White will be on McLaurin, and Diami Brown continues to play 85-plus um, percent of snaps. So I do want to keep an eye on him, but I'm not going to trust him in typical redraft leagues. All right, let's go to our next game in the Battle of the South. The Colts at the Titans. I don't know why I said it like that. Colts at the Titans. Um, let's talk about the man, the myth, the legend, Derrick Henry. Over the last two seasons, Henry has finished in the top ten uh, in three of the in all of the games he's played against the Colts, including a first overall uh, game, which we all remember. That was the game where he stiff armed someone into oblivion and just went crazy. Um, the only game that he didn't do this in, he was RB twenty two. But the game was a complete blowout on the Colt side, and he still ran for 100 yards. So odds of that happening in this game are very small, especially because Carson Wentz is questionable at best. Uh, the team was talking about playing Jacob Eason and Nick Hundley, who they just picked up off the street. Carson Wentz was ruled out, if I'm not mistaken. Hundley. Right? What the not? fuck are you talking about? Nick Hun- What the fuck is a Nick Hundley? I'm telling you, they're planning on playing Nick Hundley. Brett, it's Brett Hundley, Brett, bro. My what bad. the fuck Brett. is a Nick Hundley? The, Nick like, Hundley was the catcher for I'm not, the Padres. Yeah, I'm not bugging out, right? Wasn't Carson once ruled out? Not just... If he was, I I missed it. He has a high ankle sprain and a low ankle sprain. I highly doubt he plays Sunday. Yeah. Especially the way he plays. So you're assuming that the Colts aren't, are playing like without him. With that being said, let's start, let's start on the Colts. Like, we can start on Derrick Henry, but let's start on the Colts side because I think it's going to be easy. I don't want any Colts. No Colts. None for me. Uh, Jonathan Taylor because I drafted him high. No one else. None. Zero. I mean, I basically concur. If if Zach Pascal finds the end zone with Jacob Eason and Brett Hundley as his quarterbacks, then he's going to be ranked as a wide receiver, as my wide receiver seven overall next week. <laughs> <laughs> I, that's what I'm intrigued to see. If if he finds the end zone again, it'll be remarkable. All right, so let's go to the Titans side. For me, I think this is a... Well, sorry, go ahead, Mike. I mean, I was going to say, they're still going to have to pass the damn ball. So Pittman and Pascal are not terrible flex plays, but I agree with you that I would probably rather go a different direction if I could. But it's not like they, the Titans have given up... 630 passing yards and six passing touchdowns. It's been to Kyler Murray and Russell Wilson, of course, which could definitely make things look worse than they actually are. But just saying. Um, so let's go over to the Colts side then. Uh, Derrick Henry. The Titans side. The, I'm sorry, the Titans side. Derrick Henry. Um, obviously, the man, the myth, the legend is Derrick Henry. I told you about all him. You're playing him. Here's what I here's my hot take for the week. Ryan Tannehill is my eighth quarterback this week. I think he bounces back in a big way against against this Colts team who he has a history of defeating. Ryan Tannehill is a historically slow starter. Um over the first this is the first time we've ever had true throw value available before week four. Um he's towards the bottom of true throw value right now. But he was also, last year, really bad in the first two weeks. He's just a slow starter. And last week, he had the ability to have a much better game. A.J. Brown dropped four passes, some of them big passes. Julio Jones, for some reason, 
They said his foot was out, even though his toe touched in. I didn't understand it. I thought it was a touchdown. He was he was a touchdown away from Julio Jones in that one. And it was a game where Derrick Henry went all Derrick Henry apeshit. Derrick Henry's also been catching the ball, which I think is going to help Ryan Tannehill. So I think this is when the true value, true throw value king breaks loose, shows everyone who he really is. And uh, so I am big on Ryan Tannehill this week. How are you guys feeling about him? Remember when I was mocking the annoying fucking group think on Twitter about Ryan Tannehill and the Titans not using play action in week one? Guess what? No one is fucking talking about that anymore because the Titans ran play action the next week. The panic over nothing. They ran five play action plays in week one. Everyone's like, oh, it's over. Arthur Smith ran play action so much, and that's why Tannehill's good because he's only capable of throwing after faking a handoff. The Titans run 14 play action plays the next week. Tannehill threw on 12 of them, completed nine passes, and guess what? The other three were drops, probably by A.J. Brown. So he would have been a perfect 12 for 12 on play action. Guess what? The fucking guy was always going to run play actions. Like he's not a completely new quarterback now. So I agree with you. I think the world is panicking too much because Ryan Tannehill is just never going to get the respect that he deserves. I have him at quarterback 13 right now, but that's just because a lot of quarterbacks are playing great right now, man. Like you have the big five that were drafted. You have Jalen Hurts, who is a top five quarterback from here. Russell Wilson's balling. Tom Brady is fucking defying physics. Matt Stafford is having an MVP type season. Kirk Cousins is putting up 25 points a game. And that's quarterbacks not even like are fucking the, lit right now. That's not even the good matchups. Like there's like Daniel Jones is a great matchup this week. You know, like yeah, uh, Daniel. Like guys jo- like I prefer that. Tannehill. I don't know if Michael does, but yeah, I I'm not concerned about this offense, whether it's Tannehill or Jones or Brown. I'm not concerned. Justin yeah, Herbert playing, in a great matchup. Aaron Rodgers. I'm playing uh. All the Titans happily, but I know Jason said he has Ryan Tannehill 13th. I think I have him in the same. I have him 12th, so similar. Similar so position the, for Tanny. I'm the highest on Tannehill. Uh, the guy he's the guys he's throwing to, obviously, A.J. Brown struggling with the drops early on in the season. I think he has a bounce back, back performance in a place where he likes to play. Uh, Julio Jones had a great game last game. Uh I like Julio Jones as a wide, high-end wide receiver, too, as well. Uh, I like those two guys in the passing game, and I think it uh, it runs through them. Any thoughts on the matter, sirs? Did it did it not look like Michael was about to talk and then just shut his mouth and stop and didn't? He took a deep breath, too. I kinda yeah, like, the guy, no, Michael sorry. grabs his mic, like, leans back like he's about to have a nice conversation, opens his mouth, and then just closes it and stares at I the like, screen. <laughs> I While had, we're just sitting here in silence, <laughs> breathes. I like Don't half. Breathes. I like halfway yawned, so uh, I was like waiting for the yawn to go away, and it, it kind of fucked up everything. I, I was the whole time I was thinking like, oh, this this isn't good. But, <laughs> but sorry, I don't even remember what the the question was again. Now that you, now that I this happened, um, it's a good question. Oh, Julio Jones, AJ Brown, any concern? Oh, um. No, I mean, A.J. Brown, the drops are annoying. And I don't know if I'm bugging out after the knee surgeries. Maybe I am bugging out to say that I feel like he doesn't look quite as 
elusive and dynamic as he did last season could just be could just be crazy talk um but i am interested to see how they perform against indy this week because indy does not have a very scary secondary and it's about time they get going especially aj brown so i mean if you have them you're playing them period there's no reason not to in this matchup i did want to say that josh reynolds returned played 13 percent of snaps We'll probably just keep taking Chester Rogers' targets as the season progresses. So if you were some reason starting Chester Rogers in a super deep league, don't do that. Question, uh, who are the only two receivers in the NFL who have at least five targets of over 20 yards but no catches? A.J. Brown. Chester Rogers. Julio Jones. A.J. Brown. And Chester Rogers. And Justin Jefferson. <laughs> Hmm. Interesting. Juicing Air drops. yards, baby. Um. Interesting that uh, Michael just texted me. Uh, should we speed up? Uh, and then Jason said, "You know, t- it's, it's Tim's fault. He's going at a turtle's pace." And then he brings up Chester Rogers. That's interesting. Two historically grand teams uh, playing each other. Uh, both a little bit past their uh, primes with both of their aging quarterbacks moving on, one to the booth and one to Tampa Bay. The Saints at the Patriots. Um, this worries me for the Saints. Why? Because the Patriots are masters at taking away your best weapon. So I am worried about Alvin Kamara very much this week, especially because Jameis Winston was horrible last week. Um, that weird game that we were talking about with Jameis Winston you know, that was a blowout, so you're not really paying attention to the game. But when I went back and watched it, dude, dude, the the Saints defense was so good that Jameis Winston started on his side of the field three separate times. So, like, how do you not have a good game in that scenario? And then he backs that up with classic Jameis through an interception, like looked like he was a horrible interception. With that being said, you got to play Alvin Kamara, but I'm not excited about it. The only other person I would consider is Marquez Callaway as a dart throw to catch a deep bomb because, like I said, the Patriots are going to be focused on taking away Alvin Kamara, which means they're going to be doing two things. They're going to either be running a lot of man-to-man or running a lot of zone coverages that are meant to bait Jameis Winston. If yeah. if no. they get beat, if they get beat, Callaway could hit a big one. But it's a long shot dart throw, and I do not recommend it. Besides that, I don't. I'm not interested in anyone on this team. Man, this is why you don't just throw all your trust into a meaningless preseason game. Marcus Callaway, I don't have any of him because it was stupid drafting him in the 10th round. Like, that was dumb. And now he's been trashed the first two weeks. His snap count dropped from uh, 84% to 73% from week one to week two. Patriots still got J.C. Jackson and company in the secondary. No, thank you. Kamara's the only guy I'm playing on the Saints. And even... Adam Troutman, zero targets, 52% of snaps down from 82. With Juwan Johnson, three targets, 41% of snaps, up from 19. So we got to keep an eye on that too. But you can't play Adam Troutman after that performance either. So for me, it's just Kamara. Jason, do you have anything to to add to that? No, I agree. Um, The Saints should be known as the dumbass fantasy darling team. With Adam Troutman and Marquez Calloway. And whoever the fuck else you want to talk about. The Adam Troutman rule, man. The Adam Troutman rule. What what is that? Does I, that... I wanted to I for, I had a good joke that I wanted to tweet out and I forgot to. I mentioned this on the Patreon pod. 
where uh, it was a post-game interview and they asked Jameis Winston how he felt like he performed after putting up seven points. He's like, well, you know, last week I watched Aaron Rodgers do the same, so I wanted to show the world that I could be like Aaron Rodgers. He said that? <laughs> no. no. Oh, I was to say that. Like, it's not Michael a... also believed me when I said I that. Because <laughs> Jameis would say some dumb shit like that. Like, no doubt about it. Um, Let's go over to the... Tim, real quick. The yeah, Adam yeah. Troutman rule is... When yeah, the opportunity. Season, I know, I know. Yeah, they're not talking about the talent at all. Only opportunity. It's probably a good idea to fade it. And that was with Adam Troutman and Marcus Calloway. Um, unless you have talent and opportunity, then you have T.J. Hawkinson. Oh, and yeah. it's not the Adam Adam Troutman rule. Facts. It's the it's the Hawkinson rule. Just um, go over the Patriots. Put <laughs> the shit on your guy, Damian Harris, please, Tim. Why are you gonna shit on him for? I could I could start talking about Damian Harris. Yeah, start. Go ahead. Okay. Because the Saints didn't out. have any of their defensive coaches last week basically they were one of the best run stopping teams in the league over the last couple seasons and that's continued into this season the green bay packers ran for 43 yards against them in week one and christian mccaffrey ran for 72 yards on 24 carries in week two Oof. and damian harris does not have a pass catching role after seeing three targets week one he saw only one target last week played 41 percent of snaps to james white's 50 with six targets for James White. I am completely off Damian Harris this week. I could 1,000% see a 14-carry, 47-yard line with zero touchdowns. Damian Harris only played 46% of the snaps? Yes, 41% of the snaps. Wow. That's shocking to me. And he lost the goal line touchdown even to James White last week. Yeah, the goal line rushing touchdown. That was something else. I got to say, Damian Harris, especially, I I wish there was someone on this podcast trying to tell you, Tim, (laughs) especially this week is is not looking good. Um, If you have something that you can pivot off Damian Harris this week, I would pivot off Damian Harris. James White, on the other hand, I think is a great is is a good play. Someone on this podcast was trying to tell you guys that James White was a good play, too. You didn't want to listen about that. I was wrong about one, but I was right about the other. So. Uh, even James White in this situation against the Saints, I don't know how trustworthy he could be. James White is tough because you have to bet on the targets. He has seen six targets each of the first two games. But like I said, the New Orleans Saints just shut down opposing running backs. So even James White, like I wouldn't be shocked if James White outscores Damian Harris again. But I just, I'm not super interested in the New England backfield this game. I think they're, uh, I think it's going to be slim pickings for him. New Orleans, by the way, ninth again in DVOA against the running back out of the backfield last year. Uh, gave up five pass attempts per game and 24.5 yards per game to running backs out of the backfield. So um, not the best matchup if you are uh, starting James White. So then what? Because Jonu Smith has sucked. Hunter Henry has sucked. For some reason, for some strange reason, you have... A situation where Jacoby Myers is playing more snaps and getting more opportunities than Nelson Aguilar. Why? I I don't know. And it's the the results on the field suck. So I don't know if I like Jonu Smith sucks. Like Hunter Henry sucks. Like who do you play in this game? Period. I mean, I tried telling you and everyone all off season just not to trust Patriots receivers again this year. Same with Jonu Smith and Hunter Henry. Jonu Smith. Played 50% of snaps last week. Hunter Henry played 81. They completely flopped from week one. So what happens in week three? Nobody knows. 
I don't really want any of these pass catchers. One of them will likely have a decent game. Jacoby Myers is one of the most allergic touchdown players of all time. He just It seems like he'll never score a touchdown. I mean, if I had to play one, it would be Nelson Aguilar, but in my flex and not super happy about it. Jason, you wanted to say something about uh, James White, and I cut you off. My bad, bro. What did you want to say about James White before we move on? I just wanted to make one note actually about Damian Harris. Damian Harris. Uh, the Saints have held opposing running backs under three yards per carry this season. Wow. You can say, all right, fine, that's cool. It's only two games anyway. But the two running backs they went up against are Aaron Jones and Christian McCaffrey. Hot damn. That's impressive. They have a good They have a good defensive line. They have a very good defensive line. Um. Speaking about good defensive lines, let's go over to the Falcons at the Giants. So, look, I know that everyone's telling you that Daniel Jones is their favorite streamer this week. And I'm higher on Daniel Jones than I usually am. He's my QB 15. But the reason why I don't want Daniel Jones is because, very simply, I don't trust him to back up a good performance with a good performance particularly because Daniel Jones has killed the Washington football team. Sometimes some people are just better against certain teams than they are against other certain teams. Think about the Raiders the past couple years, who are one of the worst teams in the league, but every time they played the Chiefs, the best team in the league, it was always a game. Every once in a while they won. Derek Carr went crazy. Darren Waller went crazy. It's because that team was made to to beat the Chiefs, and it showed. Danny Dimes just kills the Washington football team. This game that was probably his best game of his career was his first loss against the Washington football team, and this team has been very good. Some players just perform better. So, even though the Falcons' defense is horrible, I still don't love Daniel Jones because I'm just not going to love Daniel Jones, period. I don't believe in his legs yet. I want to see him do it more. Then he has been doing it for me to like start him because of his legs, like a Jalen, like a Jalen Hurts or a Kyler Murray or a Lamar Jackson. Like to be on that level, I'm gonna need to see more out of the rushing prowess of his. Am I completely off base here? Am I just hating? Like, what do you guys think? Here's the thing with me. Like, am I crazy to say this? But might it be worse for fantasy purposes for Daniel Jones to face bad passing defenses? That's a good point. Luckily, we don't want him throwing. We don't want him to have open receivers. Luckily, though, uh, the Falcons also suck at run defense, so it's you know it's equal opportunity sucking. But like this, all the scrambles that Daniel Jones does, he's not going to scramble if Darius Slayton's open twenty yards down the field, if Sterling Shepard's open five yards away. Like I feel like Daniel Jones. Uh, I don't have numbers to back this up, but I just feel like. In his career, Daniel Jones has had his best games against tougher defenses, and it's just because that's when he uses his legs more. Honestly, I feel like now that everyone is on Daniel Jones this week, he's just destined to disappoint. Yo, I got I got that too, bro. <laughs> but, like, I just don't... He's too consensus. Like, the consensus is too all over him for me to like him. And he was like, he's coming off the PFF Offensive Player of the Week week, and it's like... I don't know how much I want to trust Daniel Jones, but with that being said, the Atlanta Falcons are legitimately one of the worst defenses, like maybe ever. Horrible. Man. So I'm playing Daniel Jones as a streaming option because he uses his legs. He just ran for over 90 yards and a rushing touchdown. He's been using his legs a decent amount over the course of the first two games. 
He has weapons at his disposal. Um, so, I mean, I have Daniel Jones as my QB 11. I'm not going crazy um, with Daniel Jones love, but he ended as QB 14 and QB uh, four overall 15 rush attempts on the season, his first two weeks. So I, I think against Atlanta, I'll trust him. Um, and hopefully it pays off. Um, I do think though, if, if like this game has Kenny Galladay, I feel like written all over it because the rule of thumb is the squeaky wheel gets the cheese. <laughs> no, the squeaky wheel gets, gets the oil. The cheese. Yeah, I, I was trying to be funny, but I failed. The squeaky wheel gets the oil, right? That's usually how it goes. Kenny Galladay was yelling at Danny Dimes on the on the sideline last week. He hasn't been really been doing anything. And Galladay had a bad game last last week. Not for nothing. Daniel Jones hit him with a couple passes that he should have caught that he didn't. And he got frustrated at Jones for his own mistakes. So I think that he has uh, a few good throws in him. Sterling Shepard's been great. And he's been Daniel Jones' favorite target. So if you're going to flex Sterling Shepard, I also don't blame you. I think it's Kenny Galladay week, though, for the Giants. I think Sterling Shepard is a flexible player. And I'm not trying to get anyone else. It's J- ah, J.C. Horns guy has an ankle injury now. Brian Burns, and, time. Brian Burns and J.C. Horns, sorry, going down for the Panthers' defense is two extremely big losses that I'd be worried about if I was a Panthers fan. Uh, go ahead, Jay. Trivia time. Who are the two wide receivers with three end zone targets this season and zero touchdowns? Mm. Kenny Galladay. And this one, I'm going to go. Um, Jacoby Myers. Keenan Allen. <laughs> nope. CeeDee Lamb. Huh. CeeDee Lamb. And Kenny Galladay. Oh, his it's... touchdown wasn't in the, uh, in the red zone. You're right. In the end zone. An end zone target. Yeah, in the end zone. No, CeeDee Lamb has an end zone target. You're bugging. Oh, no, no. He didn't catch it in the end zone. No end zone touchdown, you prick. Anyway, what's your point, Jason? I mean, you say that it's a coming, and I mean, he's seeing end zone targets, so a touchdown probably is a coming. And against the Falcons, there are worse times to bet on him. Yeah, this is the now or never game for Galladay. Darius Slayton... um, Actually played less in week two than he did in week one. Kadarius Tony stole some of his snaps, but I mean Kenny Galladay has played eighty-five and eighty-four percent of snaps. Sterling Shepard over ninety percent in both games. Those are the two guys that they really need to get going. Well, Sterling Shepard is going. They need Kenny Galladay to get going if they want the offense to pick up. And against the Falcons, he's the definition of a boomer bust wide receiver three, but there's some pretty significant boom potential, similar to uh a Cortland Sutton of last week. A lot of people were hesitant about trusting Cortland Sutton. And then he puts up that monster, what, 12 catch, 184 yard or something. I think it was 184 yards performance against Jacksonville. This is Kenny Galladay's time to say, look, New York, this is why um, the Giants gave me this large contract. Saquon Barkley is interesting because I think this is the game where it's possible that he breaks out and becomes Saquon Barkley again. Um, that's one of the other reasons why I'm kind of fading Daniel Jones is because I think that turning around and handing the ball to Saquon Barkley might result in some big runs that will put the game out of reach kind of early. Um, or as my wife refers to him, uh, S Barkley, the cute one with the nice smile. 
Um, what do you guys think about Saquon? And do you think this is finally the game where he becomes the guy again, uh, at least in terms of opportunity? The world's going to panic if he doesn't perform well against the Falcons. But and everything so, you wanted to see last week happened. He broke off a long run. He played 84% of the snaps. He ran a route on 71% of the plays. He It was a short week. He'll be a healthy Saquon Barkley, hopefully, this Sunday after 10 days off. And you couldn't ask for a better matchup. So, yeah, I, I expect a good game. Um, Anyone else on this team worth mentioning on the Giants before we get to our last team? Uh, Evan Ingram might return. Right. That is a that, good point. I think he's a great play if he returns. Streaming category. Oh, that noise. Play. Great, a great, great play. All right, fine. Great play in terms of he's a tight end who can catch a touchdown. I mean, I, I don't want to trust the Evan Ingram in his first game back from injury. Yeah, me either. But, I mean, the tight end landscape is also right. super doo-doo. So. We're not talking about a wide receiver here. All right, are we ready to get to the Falcons? Because I got some shit to say, as always. Oh, boy. Here we go. Matt Ryan. I tried to warn you that this guy fucking blows. I tried to warn you, and he's he's showing his true colors. He is eighth in the league in pass attempts, sixth in the league in completions, and his true throw value is 30th, and his fantasy points per game is 28th. He is absolutely suck. He is the definition of suck. He does nothing except during garbage time. He is completely inept and incapable He's cost Calvin Ridley an opportunity, an opportunity to maybe be the number one wide receiver in football. Calvin Ridley has been completely disappointing, and now he's facing a Giants team that is a good defense. They're not the best defense, but they're a good defense, and he's been struggling against not as good defenses. So I think the Giants put one on the Falcons, honestly, and... I mean, I'm starting Calvin Ridley, but I don't think he's going to be... I don't think Calvin Ridley is going to be the guy at all this year that you thought he was going to be because of that even worse quarterback play than I could have predicted for Matt Ryan. Corderell Patterson is probably my favorite play in this game because, look, the amount he played over the two games, he played so much more in the second game and became so much more of the offense in the second game. He's the pass-catching running back who this team is going to be coming back a lot. And Mike Davis is a 28-year-old journeyman, like we said, who it's talent, it's opportunity over talent. You, those are the guys you want to fade. So for me, it's Cordero Patterson in this game. I could also well, say Kyle Pitts because he's been getting peppered with targets, especially in PPR leagues. He looks like he's going to continue to get targeted. You play begrudgingly Calvin Ridley, and uh, that's who you're playing. What do you guys say? I'd be a bit wary on Cordero Patterson. I understand, like, the hype after week two and week one. Even he had a decent game. But the snap percentage stayed at 33%. Uh, trusting a guy who's seeing 33% of snaps on the Atlanta Falcons is tough to do. Um, and Mike Davis is still going to play, right? Like, Mike Davis saw seven targets last week. He out-targeted Cordero Patterson. He saw six targets, and he out uh, he outrushed him as well. Cordero Patterson just saw the touchdowns, which was nice, but... Is Cordell Patterson going to score every week? Like, I'm not super interested in those two guys this week, at least. Let's keep monitoring how that split goes on. But I'm with you in that Ridley and Pitts are the only plays just volume-based that uh, 
that you could use in this game in Atlanta. That's the end of number one. Pod de is two, and Part it's two. next. Michael, where could they find Tim you? Is, Tim is saying part de now, bro. Tim has yeah. embraced it. I think yeah, Tim likes I, it I've now. I've embraced it. I've embraced it. I like I like it. It's <laughs> Duh sounds much better than two. Um, I have been... Duh. Out to the French. I have been, yeah, I've been uh, duped, and uh, I feel like... Uh, I'm not going to say it. I want to be... I want to be... I don't want to get political. I'm going to keep it. I'm going to keep it at. I was going to make a joke, but I'm not going to. Michael, where can they find you? At BrodoFF Mike. Jason. At BrodoFF Jason. You can find me at BrodoFF Tim. You can find Cass, of course, the man, the myth, the legend, at Brodo Casanova. BrodoFF Casanova, excuse me. Um, at Brodo Fantasy on Twitter and Instagram. And BrodoFantasy.com, of course, the hub for all things Brodo. Uh, buy, sell article out now. By the Brodo team. Go check it out. This is the time to buy low on some guys uh, that I think we're doing a, an excellent job of of pointing out to you. By the way, Jason in the Discord told people to pick up Chubba Hubbard. Did we mention this already? We did. We yeah. did. Yeah. Good shit, Jason. Um, with that being said, we're going to get to part two. So, later. Later. later.